is now being called on when it comes to pitching corporate sustainability transformations, both by our clients and consumers. How do we create real change to ensure sustainability doesn't become another marketing buzzword? In this session from Advertising Week New York, we will explore what makes media sustainable or not, how the industry should respond, and whether aiming for net zero is enough. MIQ faces here. Thanks for coming to support us, guys. Uh, welcome to everybody else. Uh, for you, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Fee Roberts, Managing Director at MIQ. Uh, today, we're here with a panel of guests to talk about sustainability in advertising. We have Iona McGregor down the end there, Chief Strategy Officer for Saatchi and Saatchi. We have our own Damo, Damien Healy, who is here from um, MIQ as APAC Operations Officer, and Shelley Cook from Scout who is both founder and MD. Interesting to try and do both those roles. I'm doing the same at the moment, it's great fun. Not founder, head of client service. Anyway, sustainability and advertising. If we could roll the video, please. It's supposed to be 70 degrees today, it's freezing here. Speaking of global warming, where is we need some global warming? It's freezing. The most criticized scene in the movie An Inconvenient Truth was showing that the combination of sea level rise and storm surge would flood the 9-11 memorial site. And people said, what a terrible exaggeration. Hurricane Sandy slammed into New York City last night, flooding the World Trade Center site. Storms get stronger and more destructive. Watch the water splash off the city. This is global warming. I felt so scared, sorry. Despair can be paralyzing, but this to me is the most exciting new development. We're seeing a tremendous amount of positive change. The basis is there, but it's still not enough. It's crunch time at the climate change conference in Paris. Still some really tough negotiations going on. What would it take to shift to renewables? I'm talking about breaking the impasse. Virtually every nation in the entire world agreed to get to zero greenhouse emissions. It is unprecedented. It's time to put America first. That includes a promise to cancel billions in climate change spending. Our plan will end the EPA. The next generation would be justified in looking back at us and asking, what were you thinking? Couldn't you hear what the scientists were saying? Couldn't you hear what Mother Nature was screaming at you? This movement is in the tradition of every great movement that has advanced humankind. We're not going to recognize it. We don't want to discuss it. It is right to save humanity. It is wrong to pollute this earth. It is right to give hope to the future generation. Don't let anybody tell you that we're going to get on rocket ships and live on Mars. This is our home.
So that trailer was for the sequel to An Inconvenient Truth and was debuted uh, by Al Gore at Cannes in 2017. We are now five years on um, and we need to make serious changes for the good of the environment. It's only getting more urgent. But as an industry, if the internet were a country, it would be the third biggest polluter in the world after the US and China. Imagine 2,000 people flying from Sydney to Melbourne. This is the amount of carbon emissions a programmatic campaign that delivered 200 million impressions made. We as an industry are built on creativity and disruption and good ideas. It's time to think about and prioritise the reduction and offset of our impact. The question is how do we do that in a way that delivers lasting change? How do we make sure sustainability in advertising doesn't just become another buzzword that we add on to all the other metrics that we have in this digital world? So the question, First to you, Shelley, is let's start with um, what's happening in your business. How much are your clients talking to you about sustainability and thinking about it in your world? So we're an um, independent agency based in Brisbane. Um, a lot of our clients are local or national businesses and companies. And I'd say it's pretty scary, but we're not really getting flooded with questions in relation to how they can make their campaigns more sustainable. It's not a conversation that's front and centre. Um, of course, it's front and centre in relation to... Is there a bit of reverberation? It's front and centre in relation to the way that um, clients are changing their own operations internally, and obviously sustainability is, is core to many of our clients' businesses. But I don't think many of them, and it could be a very different situation for global clients, but many of them have necessarily made the leap to um, sustainability and media and advertising campaigns. And so for us, I think as an industry, there's going to be a big job to be done about creating first awareness in the problem and the statistics that you've quoted, Fee, of which are just like mind boggling. Mm. Um, so creating awareness in the problem before we can then go sell a solution because I don't even think it's even on their radar to some extent. And then even amongst the clients that we have that are, um, I would say, more forward thinking in relation to their sustainability plans, they are um, somewhat interestingly more sceptical around the products that we might deliver to them in relation to sustainability because they know a lot. Yeah. And you know, they're gonna start asking us questions and we've gotta be equipped to answer them which is interesting because we're not scientists, we're media people. Uh, and, you know, the fact is they're going to ask us questions around if we are offsetting, if we are doing these, these things to help reduce emissions, you know, how is it being verified? Where are we putting the money? How do I, as a client, know it's going into the right places that are actually doing good for the planet and aren't just a, another sales strategy that you've or your vendors have added to the mix? So. You know, the, there's there's scepticism, there's low awareness. So, as an industry, it's a, it's it's going to be interesting. And as an independent agency, I think we're going to lean have to lean very heavily on the broader industry to help galvanise and bring people together to help solve that because we can't go and solve that individually. No, yeah, no, we definitely can't. I own a. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's just curious. I mean, you obviously you may not know, but do you think that it's generally a, a local global dynamic? So. Now, I see a lot of these initiatives coming out of the UK as an example. You know, would you envisage that probably independent agencies sitting in the UK are probably facing the same mm. challenge and the same dynamic? Because obviously the, the global clients, you see a lot of, you know, stakes putting in the sand around, 
you know, net, net zero by X or Y date. Just kind of curious on that dynamic and whether you think it's polarised on well, that dimension. Yeah, potentially. I, I don't know the answer to that question. I just know that clients are focused on in, the internal aspects. So, you know, their own scope one, two and three emissions, but they're not thinking about the broader picture in relation to their campaigns, at least from my perspective. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Iona, what about you from a creative world? Well, I think um, we've got quite a few global clients and maybe um, to your question, Damien, on uh, whether it's a local global dynamic. Every market is um, going at a different pace to a certain extent. And I think that some of our local um, clients here, you know, there is a, perhaps a bit more of a sort of risk averse feel and a, and a hesitation, um, which honestly comes from a good place about wanting to get things right and not wanting to put a foot wrong. I think everyone wants to avoid um, greenwashing, but we are seeing a lot of our global clients coming to us and saying, well, what are your, your measurement tools and how can we ensure that we are um, partnering with uh, sustainable um, service providers and so on? So we have a suite of um, global initiatives and global tools in order to better um, manage the tracking of carbon emissions as an industry. But I think that is one of the sort of the heart of the issue is the quality of the data. Because unless as an industry we start to align to industry-wide standards and you know, science-based targets, um, it's going to be really hard to compare. And we're so used to competing with one another and coming up with competing tools and pitching and saying, well, our system's better than yours, that it's almost antithetical to suddenly have to sort of say, well, we're going to comply with some sort of generic star rating. It's not sexy and that's not what advertising agencies do. So there's a bit of a culture shift when it comes to having the sustainability conversation. But as, you know, as part of the people responsible for our client scope three emissions and vice versa we do need to to address those questions and, and we're beginning to do that largely through pressure from from global clients yeah i mean across the world you see global clients obviously leaning into this i think the w uh, the wfa uh, some of the largest global advertisers have gotten together in something called the planet pledge and so it's all about supporting the un sustainable development goals which is awesome um, there's Ad Net Zero initiative, but what I see with a lot of these is obviously targets. There are some ways out. So 2030 seems to be the magic date where everything's going to be amazing. And uh, I think we don't really understand necessarily the journey between now and then. I think it's easy to say we're going to be net zero by 2030. Yeah, I think um, that's right. And I think you've got to, this, this tension between these um, pledges and the actions that we need to take in order to get there. And one of the issues is this um, incompatibility of the, the horizons and the goals we need to set ourselves and the tenures of the people putting them in place. It's quite easy for um, someone in leadership to commit to a target that's five, ten years away. They won't most likely be around to live with it and they certainly won't be the people dealing with the consequences. So again, we've got to sort of find a different way of um, addressing it within the company and, and deciding on how to make action a priority. Mm. Yeah, and we're talking, you know, majorly at the moment around um, net zero emissions, but it's not really enough, is it? Um, we know we've got to be thinking more broadly around actually how do we reduce the emissions, not just get around to net zero. Um, in terms of offsets. Right, in terms yeah. of offsets, absolutely. You know, one of the, the favourite things I've, I've seen recently as I was leading up to the panel, you know, Microsoft has bought out the whole 2030 thing, which is cool, you know, 
but they're not net zero by 2030. They're going to be net negative. And I, I just love the ambition of that. Yeah. So yes, they're going to have to do some offsets, but clearly, I think to your point, they have a, a really dramatic ambition to reduce their overall footprint. Um, and then they're going to do offsets to cover the rest because they know they can't actually get to, to zero energy usage, for instance. I think, I think that's really valid. You know, for, for me, that we get caught up in this idea of, oh, well, we'll just buy some carbon credits and then job done and we can say that we've done our, you know, our bit to help preserve the planet. But actually, it's so much bigger than that and the carbon offsets that are available to us should be a last resort. But, you know, we're not really thinking that. We're seeing them as in some instances as, a, as an excuse to keep kind of polluting the environment in some respects. So, you know, there's got to be, um, you know, some help in the industry as well around verification and integrity in relation to how we trade um, with offsets. And, and, you know, one of the key things that I've seen is that so many of the carbon offsets that are sold the carbon credits, I should say, that are sold in Australia are considered low integrity, which basically means that they're not actually doing anything to reduce emissions or preserve the planet. They're just there for some tokenistic kind of trade scheme. So, you know, we do, and it's difficult because again, like I said before, we're not scientists. So we need to lean on the experts. We need to lean on people that can guide us and make sure that we've got the verification and the standards that say, we, you know, if a client's entrusting us to put money against this um, initiative, that there are you know, ways and means of us being able to, to kind of look at our clients in the eyes and go, trust us, we know this is being invested in the right way and that your, your individual brand's emissions are being offset in the right way. So. Yeah. I think also offsets, I mean, you say they're a last resort. I think they can in some ways be a first step though. So you know, clearly there's a lot of calculators coming out around the place. Um, in terms of calculating the impact, there's a good loop. I think Group M has one. There's, there's lots of them out there. So you can start measuring or estimating your impact. And then you can use offsets, I guess. It's almost like a little bit of a, a penalty. So you're investing in something and then it kind of forces you to take some other changes. Mm. But you know, this is slightly an aside, but I saw uh, on the news recently a, a carbon offset company who was actually accidentally lighting fires as they planted trees and they pretty much burnt more trees than they planted, yeah. which is kind of ridiculous. So you also need to scratch your head a little bit about some of the offset schemes. Well, there's, not, there's actually not enough credits available in the world to offset the emissions that we're producing. So, you know, even if everybody on the planet decided that this was a good idea and we're going to offset, they wouldn't, we, can't, we can't plant enough trees, we can't put enough back into the ocean to actually tangibly cover our emissions. So reduction is the only plan, is really the only long-term strategy. And I think one of the reasons why we played that video was to kind of point out that we're five years on past that. We still don't have the perfect answer, right? 2030 oh, we will. 2030 we will. <laughs> Hopefully I'm retired by then. Um, but I, I think the point is, is that if we're all waiting for perfection as to how to solve this in the industry, we're going to continue pushing out that 2030, right? It's got to be about making just some progress and I suppose that offset piece is a part of doing that. Damo, from your perspective, you know, the, and actually for all of you as well, the metrics that, that this sustainable advertising piece are now being measured on, how much do you think that you know, clients are going to look at that and want to pay for it or uh, make it a priority in comparison to viewability or performance and return on investment? 
it is a bit of a crazy balancing act. I mean, I think based on all the commitments that you see from various advertisers, it's got to rank very, very highly in terms of people's ambitions. You know, when someone like Microsoft sits there and says, I want to be net negative by 2030, Microsoft for a business actually means that. And, you know, they will take some actions to prioritise that in, in terms of their media mix. I mean, I've worked with other uh, big global clients like Diageo, for instance, which is all very much about investing in a way that uh, promoted um, inclusion and diversity, as an example. So, you know, I think it will be really um, important in terms of the metric mix. I think, as has been alluded to previously, we don't really have the right standards to deal with it, though. Um, I actually emailed Gay from the IAB. I don't know if she's here, but just to see whether she's interested in setting up an IAB uh, sustainable, Sustainability Council. Now, there's one in the UK currently. I'm not sure that there is one in the US, but we really need some standards. Otherwise, we're all talking different languages, but you know, from a kind of programmatic platforms and, and data business, it's really important that we have those standards because when you have the standards, you can put them into tools. And, um, you know, I, I kind of don't want sustainability to replace completion rates or click-throughs or conversion rates as those, those primary metrics. I think marketers are always going to have things that they want to achieve in, in that vein, you know, frequency against audience and things like that. I really do think that it needs to be endemic in a campaign. So I've been thinking it's probably a little bit more like brand safety. So. Um, when you book a campaign, you don't specify that it needs to be brand safe. Like when, a, when an advertiser books with MIQ, you don't, you don't write on the, on the brief, yeah, it needs to be a brand safe campaign. You kind of assume that people like us and people across the industry are going to be following good practice and, and standards and, and implementing it. So I really want um, sustainability to be something that's endemic, but you need to really create those standards first. Um, just in terms of what MIQ's doing. So um, you know, we've created a partnership with Scope 3. Uh, there's a number of different businesses out there that are um, providing the ability to start to measure and optimize against sustainability. And so we've measured our global footprint using Scope 3 data. And fundamentally, our media delivery footprint is outpacing everything else in our business in terms of our carbon footprint. So, you know, there are actions you can take if you think it's important, there's actions you can take, whether it's Scope 3 or Good Loop or whoever else. So, you know, using that data, we can then start optimizing our campaigns. And, you know, I've been through the data myself and uh, I promised that I w wasn't going to um, actually name a publisher in this room, but, you know, I ordered all the data by, let's call it the dirtiest impressions versus the cleanest. And there was a very, very substantial uh, Australian publisher that kind of leapt to the top of the list. And at least in the data that I'm seeing is, is the dirtiest publisher. So, you know, we're going to be um, optimizing some of, those, um, some of those publishers out over time. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to have to pick up the phone and have a conversation with this person about the data that I'm seeing and the actions that I'm going to take. And I think that then they can, in turn, take some actions. I hope you call that publisher and tell them they're dirty. That would be a great <laughs> conversation. And I could be but a fly on the wall. They won't know. You know, digital, it, you know, it feels like digital should be, it's like Tesla. It's like, you know, it, it's, a, it's a clean thing to be doing. But, you know, the reality is that it uses electricity. And, you know, on the creative side, creative size actually makes a big difference. 
um, to the amount of carbon footprint. So, what do you mean we can't do 90 second ads? Yeah, no, the bigger the better. <laughs> um, fun, fun fact is that actually the colour of the ads actually makes a difference to the sustainability as well. It's not the, the biggest thing, but um, you know, brighter ads actually use more energy. Good news for black and white clients. <laughs> oh, monochrome. Well, white's back. probably bad. Yeah. Love that. Um, yeah, so, you know, th there's a, um, a big mix of metrics, but, um, you know, I think it does need to be fundamentally endemic. To become endemic, it needs to um, really feed off standards. But there's things you can do today. There's ways to measure it. It's ways to, for every business to get sustainability into the mix. And you know, we as a business have decided to do something about it. Everyone else is going to figure out their own path. Um, but, you know, back to this whole idea of, you know, 2030 versus now, you know, what can you do today or tomorrow to make a difference? Absolutely. I think if it is going to be endemic, then we've got to figure out who pays for it. That absolutely is the start. <laughs> Hopefully someone else is actually my answer. But, yeah. Well, um, I don't no, know. I, I mean, in the clients that I've spoken to about it, there's the, the sort of prevailing view is that we're happy to pay a little bit more, but not a lot more, and surely that the cost should be, you know, why, why are we not splitting the bill with the vendor or the agency? Because you know, why does the responsibility sit with them entirely? And then why are we not, as, as agency and, and media people, changing the models so that, you know, potentially there is a bit of loss of margin or there is some sort of sacrifice or compensation that we're having to make, but that that, that will then help to accelerate the change because if we're putting all that emphasis on clients and on top of all the other data and tech fees that are like been creeping up over the last few years, like it is honestly, it'll become to a point where the clients will go enough, you know, I'm, I, I'm not paying for this anymore. So, you know, from my perspective, it's about coming up with a solution industry-wide where we can all collaborate and figure out where the cost responsibility sits and how that's shared. I like the point that you made before that clients are at risk of becoming cynical of, yeah. of us being, yeah. you know, marketers and media people trying to sell something else that they need to pay for. Um, and having that sort of equal skin in the game is a great way to be able to make sure that this doesn't stay as a fad, isn't just another buzzword, mm. um, because we're all trying to solve for it equally, right? It affects us all equally. So why wouldn't we? Well, as unpopular as it may be, I also think that there is an opportunity in government frameworks coming down and penalising campaigns that don't meet certain standards because at the end of the day, it is a behaviour change issue and we're going to have to start um, doing things in quite a different way. And I think as long as we are politely passing the buck or the hot potato between who's going to do a little bit here and a little bit there and offsetting this, um, I, I fear that progress will be quite timid. Whereas once you start doing a bit more of a carrot and stick method, that is how you get to... <coughs> getting people to stop smoking, making advertising more sustainable, um, these kind of more difficult, sticky changes. It's not popular, but I, I, would, I would like to think that the, that's something that can help give us a bit of a, the kick we need. So We're good at drumming up emotion, but changing might need to come from outside. So there, there's a stick. What's the carrot going to be? So not, not getting the stick. Not <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fair. Yeah, but a good point. If, if we can, I mean, maybe that's where the creativity of our industry can sort of step in, and if we can have a, uh, a way to sort of 
reward ourselves, that would be um, fantastic. Yeah, sustainability awards or something. Oh yeah, we love award shows. We never, <laughs> we don't reward ourselves enough in this industry, honestly. No. We need <laughs> a few more pats on the back, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, it's very true. But I think, you know, trying to plan a, a media campaign with multiple different vendors, publishers, as, you know, multiple different channels, and to be thinking about sustainability across the whole piece when everyone's coming with their different solutions. At the moment, it's a very complex thing to navigate, not just for ourselves, but then for our clients, like trying to talk to them about it too. So so much work to be done to help simplify and, and you know, create some sort of common denominator that we can all, as we've been talking about, that we can all look to and that you as the, the suppliers can offer up as, as a consistent message as well. You know, if we've got a digital campaign that's running across four or five different publishers and we've got cost premiums and different offset solutions with every single one, I mean, it's impossible. Yeah, so that media schedule doesn't look like a lot of fun. <laughs> no, and digital's already really complicated, right? You know, I think we were actually joking earlier about um, some of the um, just general broadcast campaigns that we've worked on in, in other aspects of our careers and they were just much easier to execute. Right, and now we all we have all of these um, you know, brand safety lists and different optimization techniques, etc. Now we're going to bring sustainability in. It's you know, it, it's just another bit of complexity that might create friction if we're not careful. Well, but I the industry standards is, is how you break through that. I think you're right, and I think it's the, the challenge is it's as long as it's seen as just another bit of complexity, we are the mm. industry that is most likely to get bored of it and park it in a somebody else's job box. Until 2030. Um, you know, until 2030, exactly. We're notoriously fickle and um, into the latest uh, shiny thing, and we really can't afford to do that with sustainability. So I think, it, it, you know, just as within our clients, we're seeing um, sustainability find its house. Sometimes there's a chief sustainability officer. Sometimes it sits in marketing. Sometimes it's somewhere else within a holding company. Um, we need to find a, a, a place for it that insulates it from that faddishness and, um, mm. and that sort of... Oh, yeah. I'd rather talk about metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only we were talking about this before as well. Sustainability in advertising is just one piece of a company's journey in yeah. sustainability. Um, how much are your clients asking you to help solve the whole lot for them? Oh, hugely. I mean, I think, um, you know, su sustainability, a lot of people immediately think climate change, carbon emissions, but certainly as a group publicist's whole sustainability plan is really based on three pillars. You've got diversity and inclusion and all the social justices, which are absolutely paramount, both as an employer and as a content creator who is putting an image out there into the ways we can be. And we have a, a, a duty to be more progressive and more inclusive um, and really move the dial and, 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 and create change in that space. And then simply doing our job responsibly. There's ethics involved with um, marketing, targeting. Um, you know, we, we've had a, our own share of scandals as an industry. And I think that it's really important that everyone complies to um, responsible ways of uh, of just you know going out there and doing advertising the really inconvenient truth is what you were saying at the beginning fiona i think research came out in the uk that just in the uk advertising emissions account for an additional 28 percent of carbon emissions for each and every single uk citizen so that's as if the entire emissions of the netherlands was added to the emissions of the uk 
through what is generated by the advertising industry, and that's just one country. So how can we grapple with the fact that we are driving consumption, getting people to do something that is fundamentally unsustainable? I mean, that's the sort of uncomfortable seat we're in. So we're going to have to, to, to rewind, dial back um, quite severely, I think. And, and you know, maybe we need some more radical approaches. Mm. Just in terms of data, um, so having a look at the data and having done a bit of research, it's about a gram of CO2 per impression. I mean, there's lots of variability in that and lots of different ways to measure it, right? So uh, a gram per impression, a million impressions is a tonne of carbon. You know, I think the average Australian, I've seen lots of different stats, but say it's, it's 20 tonnes a year. So you, you run 20 million impressions, it's like adding another, another Australian, as an example. So it's real, you know, there's a number there and you can pretty much measure it. And again, the question always comes back to what are you going to do about it and when are you going to do it? Mm. What about word of mouth? <laughs> that's because that kind of doesn't create. Surely that's yeah. the most that, sustainable. Exactly. Maybe this is all great news for, for a different form of, uh, of communication. <laughs> At this point, word this of is mouth usually count. where I recommend skywriting, but that's not yeah. really that sustainable either. <laughs> Um, so, okay, well, we're nearly close to wrapping up. Very quickly from each of you, for each of your businesses that you're in, thinking about where you are now, what do you think you need to do to bridge the gap and be where you want to be in, say, two years' time? I can go, yeah. I mean, I think for us it's about taking responsibility within our own means to educate ourselves, educate our teams, and then pass that knowledge on where we can. Um, to our clients and help the you know progress the conversation alongside yourselves and other other vendors, um, and then measurement. I think you know starting from a point of view of understanding what we're actually emitting, um, and giving that feedback to our clients as well, so that that there is that awareness of the problem. Um, it's going to take a while just to even do that first step. I think um, so. For me, that's the focus. Uh, so jumping in, if, if I want to change something, first thing I do is measure it. So that's really what MIQ is doing. So we've measured globally and now in Australia we're measuring campaigns. We're going to be doing dashboards and benchmarking. So you know, once you measure it, then you can change it. So um, you know, we'll measure, then we'll set ourselves some ag aggressive goals and we'll start tapering our, uh, our impact. I think the other piece, just for MIQ specifically, but it, it relates to some other platforms. We're very tech and data heavy. Uh, so we use you know hundreds of servers in the cloud, and you know I think it's really incumbent on us to be working to a make that more efficient, but also make sure that we're working with our downstream partners such as cloud providers to ensure that they have sustainability initiatives. Yep, all of that, and um, <laughs> I think uh, in addition to the education and the measurement, which is paramount, I think what what we need to do is make it a default and not wait for clients to brief us on a sustainability project or um, you know, a new theme in terms of communication, but just really baking a more sustainable practice into each and every single one of the campaigns we do so that it's insulated from any sense of, oh, we did that last year. It has to just become a given that we approach things in a more um, responsible way. Amazing, thank you, panelists. Appreciate your time. Thank you to the audience. I'll leave you on one um, lasting note on the basis of education. Um, if everybody in this room were to ask just one person, just once a week, what role are you having in generating sustainability in our industry? 
you'll be opening a dialogue with another person and we'll all be educating each other and we're well on our way to making sure this conversation doesn't become a fad and actually becomes ingrained in our industry. So um, that's our ask of you. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. For more content like this, be sure to visit www.advertisingweek.com where you'll find information on our world-leading events, year-round thought leadership, and a growing network of podcasts featuring our industry's best and brightest.